Section 18 of The Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 9. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Andre Levy, AndreLevy.net, Lisbon, Portugal. The Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 9, by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton. Night 923 When it was the nine hundred and twenty-third night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Shemus went from the presence to the ringleaders of the commons, and said to them, Tomorrow the sovereign will come forth to you, and will deal with you as ye desire. So they hied them to their homes. On such wise fared it with them. But as regards the monarch, he summoned ten slaves of gigantic stature, men of hard hearts and prow of prowess, whom he had chosen from amongst his father's bodyguards, and said to them, Ye know the favour, esteem, and high rank ye held with my sire, and all the bounties, benefits, and honours he bestowed on you, and I will advance you to yet higher dignity with me than this. Now I will tell you the reason thereof, and ye are under safeguard of Allah from me. But first I will ask you somewhat, wherein, if ye do my desire, obeying me in that which I shall bid you, and conceal my secret from all men, ye shall have of me largesse and favour surpassing expectation. But above all things, obedience. The ten thralls answered him with one mouth, and in sequent words, saying, Whatso thou biddest us, O our liege, that we will do, nor will we depart in aught from thy commandment, for thou art our lord and master. Quoth the king, Allah allot you weal. Now will I tell you the reason why I have chosen you out for increase of honour with me. Ye know how liberally my father dealt with the folk of his realm, and the oath he took from them on behalf of me, and how they promised him that they would break faith with me, nor gainsay the bidding of me. And ye saw how they did yesterday, whenas they gathered all together about me, and would have slain me. Now I am minded to do with them somewhat, and tis this, for that I have considered their action of yesterday, and see that naught will restrain them from its like, save exemplary chastisement. Wherefore, I perforce charge you privily to do to death whom I shall point out to you, to the intent that I may ward off mischief and calamity from my realm by slaying their leaders and chiefs, and the manner thereof shall be on this wise. Tomorrow I will sit on this seat in this chamber, and give them admission to me one by one, coming in at one door and going out at another. And do ye, all ten, stand before me, and be attentive to my signs. And whoso entereth singly, take him, and drag him into yonder chamber, and kill him, and hide his corpse. The slaves answered, We hearken to thy hest, and obey thy order. Whereupon he gave them gifts, and dismissed them for the night. On the morrow he summoned the thralls, and bade set up the royal seat. Then he donned his kingly robes, and taking the book of law-cases in his hands, posted the ten slaves before him, and commanded to open the doors. 
So they opened the doors, and the herald proclaimed aloud, saying, Whoso hath authority, let him come to the king's carpet. Whereupon up came the wazirs and prefects and chamberlains, and stood each in his rank. Then the king bade admit them one after one, and the first to enter was Shimas, according to the custom of the Grand Wazir. But no longer had he presented himself before the king, and ere he could beware, the ten slaves gat about him, and dragging him into the adjoining chamber, dispatched him. On the likewise did they with the rest of the wazirs and ulema and notables, slaying them one after other, till they made a clean finish. Then the king called the headsmen, and bade them ply sword upon all who remained of the folk of valour and stower. So they fell on them, and left none whom they knew for a man of metal, but they slew him, sparing only the proletaires and the refuse of the people. These they drove away, and they returned each to his folk, whilst the king secluded himself in his pleasures, and surrendered his soul to its lusts, working tyranny, oppression, and violence, until he outraced all the men of evil who had forerun him. Now this king's dominion was a mind of gold and silver and jacinths and jewels, and the neighboring rulers, one and all, envied him this empire, and looked for calamity to betide him. Moreover, one of them, the king of Outer Hind, said in himself, I have gotten my desire of wresting the realm from the hand of yonder silly lad, by reason of that which hath betided of his slaughter of the chiefs of his state, and of all men of valour and metal that were in his country. This is my occasion to snatch away that which is in his hand, seeing he is young in years, and hath no knowledge of war, nor judgment thereto, nor is there any left to counsel him aright or succour him. Wherefore this very day will I open on him the door of mischief by writing him a writ, wherein I will flight him, and reproach him with that which he hath done, and see what he will reply. So he indicted him a letter to the following effect. In the name of Allah the Compassionate, and after I have heard tell of that which thou hast done with thy wazirs and ulema and men of valiancy, and that whereinto thou hast cast thyself of calamity, so that there is neither power nor strength left in thee to repel whoso shall assail thee, more by token than thou transgressest and orderest thyself tyrannously and profligately. Now Allah hath assuredly given me the conquering of thee, and the mastery over thee, and into my hand hath delivered thee. Wherefore do thou give ear to my word, and obey the commandment of me, and build me an impregnable castle amiddlemost the sea? And thou cannot do this. Depart thy realm, and with thy life go flee, for I will send unto thee from the farthest ends of Hind twelve hordes of horse, each twelve thousand fighting men strong, who shall enter thy land and spoil thy goods, and slay thy men, and carry thy women into captivity. Moreover, I will make my wazir Badia captain over them, and bid him lay straight siege to thy capital, till the master he be. 
and I have bidden the bearer of this letter that he tarry with thee but days three. So, and thou do my demand, thou shalt be saved. Else will I send that which I have said unto thee. Then he sealed the scroll, and gave it to a messenger, who journeyed with it till he came to the capital of Weird Khan, and delivered it to him. When the king read it, his strength failed him, his breast waxed straight, and he made sure of destruction, having none to whom he might resort for aid or advice. Presently he rose and went in to his favorite wife, who, seeing him changed of color, said to him, What mattereth thee, O king? Quoth he, This day I am no king, but slave to the king. And he opened the letter and read it to her, whereupon she fell to weeping and wailing and rending her raiment. Then he asked her, Hast thou aught of reed or resource in this grievous strait? But she answered, Women have no resource in time of war, nor have women any strength or aught of counsel. Tis men alone who in like of this affair have force and discourse and resource. When the king heard her words, there befell him the utmost regret and repentance and remorse, for that he had transgressed against his wazirs and officers and lords of his land. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. End of Night 923 Night 924 When it was the 924th night, she continued, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when King Weird Khan heard the words of his favorite wife, there befell him the utmost regret and repentance for having transgressed against and slain his wazirs and the chiefs of his state. And he would that he had died ere there came to him the like of these shameful tidings. Then he said to his women, Verily there hath betided me from you that which befell the Francolin and the tortoises. Ask they, What was that? And he answered, Men tell this tale of the Francolin and the tortoises. It is said that sundry tortoises dwelt once in a certain island, abounding in trees and fruiterers and rills, and it fortuned one day that a Francolin, passing over the island, was overcome with the fiery heat and fatigue, and being in grievous suffering, stayed his flight therein. Presently, looking about for a cool place, he espied the resort of the tortoises, and alighted down near their home. Now they were then abroad foraging for food, and when they returned from their feeding-places to their dwelling, they found the Francolin there. His beauty pleased them, and Allah made him lovely in their eyes, so that they exclaimed, Subhanallah, extolling their Creator, and loved the Francolin with exceeding love, and rejoiced in him saying one to other, For sure this is of the goodliest of the birds. And all began to caress him and entreat him with kindness. When he saw that they looked on him with eyes of affection, he inclined to them and companioned with them and took up his abode with them, flying away in the morning whither he would, and returning at eventide to pass the night by side of them. On this wise he continued a long while, until the tortoises, 
seeing that his daily absence from them desolated them, and finding that they never saw him save by night, for at dawn he still took flight in haste, and they knew not what came of him, for all that their love grew to him, said each to other, Indeed we love this Franklin, and he is become our true friend, and we cannot bear parting from him. So how shall we devise some device tending to make him abide with us always? For he flieth away at dawn, and is absent from us all day, and we see him not save by night. Quoth one of them, Be easy, O my sisters, I will bring him not to leave us for the turn of an eye. And quoth the rest, saying, An thou do this, we will all be thy thralls. So when the Franklin came back from his feeding-place, and sat down amongst them, that wily tortoise drew near unto him, and called down blessings on him, giving him joy of his safe return, and saying, O my lord, know that Allah hath vouchsafed thee our love, and hath in like manner set in thy heart the love of us, whereby thou art become to us a familiar friend and a comrade in this desert. Now the goodliest of times for those who love one another is when they are united, and the sorest of calamities for them are absence and severance. But thou departest from us at peep of day, and returnest not to us till sundown, wherefore there betideth us extreme desolation. Indeed, this is exceedingly grievous to us, and we abide in sore longing for such reason. The Franklin replied, Indeed, I love you also, and yearn for you yet more than you can yearn for me, nor is it easy for me to leave you. But my hand hath no help for this, seeing that I am a fowl with wings, and may not wone with you always, because that is not of my nature. For a bird, being a winged creature, may not remain still, save it be for the sake of sleep o' nights. But as soon as it is day, he flieth away, and seeketh his morning meal in what place soever pleaseth him. Answered the tortoise, Sooth thou speakest. Nevertheless, he who hath wings hath no repose at most seasons, for that the good he getteth is not a fourth part of what ill betideth him, and the highmost aims of the creature are repose and ease of life. Now Allah hath bred between us and thee love and fellowship, and we fear for thee, lest some of thine enemies catch thee, and thou perish, and we be denied the sight of thy countenance. Rejoined the Franklin, True, but what reed hast thou, or resource for my case? Quoth the tortoise, My advice is that thou pluck out thy wing-feathers, wherewith thou speedest thy flight, and tarry with us in tranquillity, eating of our meat, and drinking of our drink in this pasturage, that aboundeth in trees rife with fruits yellow-ripe, and we will sojourn, we and thou, in this fruitful stead, and enjoy the company of one another. The Franklin inclined to her speech, seeking ease for himself, and plucked out his wing-feathers, one by one, in accordance with the reed approved of by the tortoise. Then he took up his abode with them, and contented himself with the little ease and transient pleasure he enjoyed. Presently up came a weasel, 
and glancing at the Francolin, saw that his wings were plucked, so that he could not fly, whereat he rejoiced with joy exceeding, and said to himself, Verily yonder Francolin is fat of flesh, and scant of feather. So he went up to him, and seized him, whereupon the Francolin called out to the tortoises for help. But when they saw the weasel hend him, they drew apart from him, and huddled together, choked with weeping for him, for they witnessed how the beast tortured him. Quoth the Francolin, Is there aught with you but weeping? And quoth they, O oh, our brother, we have neither force nor resource nor any course against a weasel. At this the Francolin was grieved, and cutting off all his hopes of life, said to them, The fault is not yours, but mine own fault, in that I hearkened to you, and plucked out my wing-feathers, wherewith I used to fly. Indeed I deserve destruction for having obeyed you, and I blame you not in aught. Unlikewise, continued the king, I do not blame you, O women, but I blame and reproach myself, for that I remembered not that ye were the cause of the transgression of our father Adam, by reason whereof he was cast out from the Garden of Eden, and for that I forgot ye are the root of all evil, and hearken to you, in mine ignorance, lack of sense, and weakness of judgment, and slew my wazirs and governors of my state, who were my loyal advisers in all mine actions, and my glory and my strength against whosoever troubled me. But at this time find I not one to replace them, nor see I any who shall stand me in their stead, and I fall into utter perdition. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. End of Night 924 Recording by Andre Levy AndreLevy.net, Lisbon, Portugal